This is the Last Minute Blues Podcast with Donnie Fandango, Jeff Burton, Alex Ferrario, and former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers. It is the Last Minute Blues Podcast. Donnie Fandango joined in studio by Alex Ferrario from 101 ESPN. You know, um, Alex, I am, uh, you know, I'm very critical of myself when, you know, I um, say something that turns out to be false or incorrect or whatever. But on our last podcast on Tuesday, uh-huh. I said that I did not think the Blues were going to lay another egg on Thursday after losing a couple in a row, and they did not. They, you know, the the first period, I, I, you know, there were things, but that second period, they came out and friggin' took it to them. So once in a while, I'm right. <laughs> now, once in a while, you need to pat yourself on the back, Donnie. Right, right. Well, what we also need to say is too, Donnie has his. He's got his notebook of of things we're discussing on the show, and we got sidetracked the last show. And on his piece of paper, he showed me, it said, Zachary Bullduke call-up, question mark. We recorded the show. We end the show. And about an hour later, we find out that Zachary Bullduke was called up. I'm not going to call him Fandango Stradamus, <laughs> but that's kind of what he is right now. But you know, but here, but I want to talk about that a little bit, though, because... I we were having the Jimmy Snuggerud conversation, yeah, and about him coming up and being able to make an offensive impact. And then you were telling me, hey man, the, the way that the schedule lines up for him in college, it, it, it's just not there. So that's why I didn't ask about Bull Duke, and I didn't even think that like it's a different conversation, yeah, because Bull Duke has been in Springfield. Bull Duke has this is not his first rodeo. Right. He, you know what I mean? They're in different you know, places as prospects. And so now uh, we have to, though, kind of temper the expectations here a little bit with with young man, right? right. Like, yeah. like we, we, we got to be fair to the kid. Yeah, I mean, first of all, like, I, it caught me by surprise because from everything I had heard, Doug Armstrong wanted to be patient with that prospect. He and Zach Dean, they didn't want to bring up they wanted to, the the goal was to let them play all season in the American Hockey League. Like that was best case scenario because you get a full season of being a pro. You understand what it takes to go through the day ins and day outs of getting ready for games, going to the rink, making sure you're training properly, and then coming to training camp next year fighting for a roster spot. That was the ideal world. Obviously, as we know, Dan Donnie, you don't get the ideal yeah. world every now and then. And the Blues needed offense. Sammy Blay had not scored a goal, has not scored a goal at even strength for 42 straight games. Kevin Hayes, I believe, is at 13 after last night. Kasperi Kapanen was at 12. Brandon Saad was at 11. He scored again last night, but it's been power play goals and empty net goals. So what I just mentioned are four players that have been playing in your top nine that have gone more than 10 games without scoring an even strength goal. Jeez. You need offense, and you called up Adam Gaudet. Now, he played the third line for for two games. Not much you're expecting there, but it didn't work out. You've tried Torupchenko and Nathan Walker and Oscar Sundquist in your top nine. You brought up Hugh McGing. You've tried Matthew Pekka. You've exhausted all options to the point that Doug Armstrong probably had to say, let's give the kid a shot. Right. He wasn't setting the world on fire in the minors, but the American Hockey League is so it's so all over the place. It's so scatterbrained. It's not as it's not as precise and schematic as the NHL is. At least that's what Joe Vitale tells me. So you bring him up. He'd scored eight goals in 48 games for the Springfield Thunderbirds. You know his shot was there 
But I think a little of that was also rewarding Zach Bolduc. Everything that I've heard, and I talked with an, a coach that has been working with him in Springfield Thunderbirds. I talked with the play-by-play man for the Springfield Thunderbirds, and they said Bolduc has made a massive emphasis on his two-way, 200-foot game, just as much responsible in the defensive zone as the offensive zone. So last night was probably the weirdest game to put him in. Like in one hand, Donnie, I think it's a good game to put him in because a lot of power plays, so he's not playing 15, 16 minutes a night. You don't put the pressure on him. But it's tough to evaluate him. One, it's the first game. But two, he played like nine and a half minutes because right. there were so many penalties. Yeah, it was really, really choppy. Yeah. Especially that first period. And I know that they were calling penalties that were penalties, but I kept just being like, come on, man. They were I were soft, too. I, I, I just... I just wanted the the, the flow yeah. of everything to get in there. So one quick question that I have, and I mean, I already know the answer to this before I even ask you, but doesn't See, Donnie but, Fandango <laughs> Stradamus? What did I tell you, people? No, no this is dumb. <laughs> this, this is this, this is just like, oh wow, the sun. Uh, but no, but like, so this when he when he is brought up, when uh, when Bolduc is brought up, is this the icing on the cake for? Jakub Verana. Like, are we never oh, yeah. going to see that dude again? Yeah. I like, think rest of the year in Springfield. Yeah. And then this th- th- this marriage is over. Yeah. I think the Jakub Verana uh, St. Louis Blues experience is over with the call up of Zachary Bolden. Because that tells you, I mean, if they are searching for offense mm-hmm. and there is a guy that has legitimately done it in the league yeah. and they prefer to go with this guy that's only got eight goals in the AH, I mean, yeah. that well, tells you. And Verana has been playing at least offensively well in the minor leagues. Mm-hmm. Like he's been scoring goals and picking up points. I think if I'm not mistaken, he's close to a point per game player for the Springfield Thunderbirds, but you've done it. You've tried it twice this season with right. him and you tried it twice with two different coaches. That's right. the other thing. It's not just, it was only Craig Berube and you didn't try it with Drew Bannister. They tried it with Drew Bannister and it also didn't work. He made the, I think it was that Florida Panthers game where he made the, the mistake in the neutral zone of didn't put the puck in deep when they were trying to get a line change. He tried to, to toe dangle a player and it got picked off and went back the other way and they scored the goal yeah. and the Blues lost. I think Drew Bannister had probably looked at it and said, he's not giving us the what we need right now. And frankly, I don't blame them for doing that. As much as I would have liked to see Bolduc stay in the minors, at some point you got to say, let's see what the kid can do. Yeah, absolutely. Even if it doesn't look good, let's see what the kid can do. And I appreciate the fact too, Donnie, that they didn't bring him up and play him on the fourth line. Right. Now, I know he kind of split time with Shannon Neighbors and Hayes and Saad, but Bannister had said that they wanted to kind of slowly kind of wade him into the water with his first NHL game, so kind of limit his ice time, but also all the penalties. You're, you're moving him around, getting guys fresh legs, but I'm just glad that they didn't put him on the fourth line because you want to see what the kid can do. Yeah. We saw his shot at the end of the third period on that power play. He's got a one-timer, so why not put it up there to see if it can work? Well, a couple of things here. Uh, first of all, I find it very interesting, and I feel like when you're bringing up a Zach Boldu, a Zachary Boldu, I think I almost feel like it's cementing Drew Bannister behind the bench even that much more. Yeah, because you have a roster that he is incredibly familiar with, mm-hmm. and and in turn, they're incredibly familiar with him. I feel like this off season, maybe there is a tweak or two to that coaching staff, but. I just feel like the more that time goes by, the more that we see them, all right, play a couple poor games, but then come back and bring it back. Right. I just feel like this is Drew. I feel like this has got to be this dude's gig. And also more than it, more than that, when we have gone through the list of people, uh, uh, who else that it could possibly be? Right. To me, none of those people even 
almost even make sense when you compare them to to what Drew Bannister and I'm not saying it's perfect, and I'm not saying that they've been world beaters, but they have been a lot friggin' better since Bannister has taken over. And again, I feel like the the, the, the doldrums can come back, that, that they're able to bring it back now, when beforehand, I was, hey, is this two-game losing streak going to turn into three or four? Yeah. I don't feel like this team is, is like that right yeah, now. Yeah, you're very confident that they're not going to lose after a loss. They're not going to really get mm-hmm. into one of those slides. Yeah, that's kind of why the Toronto Maple Leafs loss was so surprising surprising because you were thinking it's like okay after Nashville you're not going to lay another egg right. you just lost to Toronto I agree with you I mean if I, if I were a betting man which sometimes I am my money would say if Bannister makes the playoffs it would be hard for Doug Armstrong to go elsewhere because yeah. not only did you get this group into the playoffs when they we felt like there was no chance of it back in December but you also did it with Matthew Kessel Scott Perunovich um Jimmy uh, Jimmy Snuggerud if he's up here. Zach Bolduke. Like, you did it with a lot of younger players that the whole point of what you're looking for is to compete but also grow those younger players, and that's what Drew Bannister is able to accomplish. But just to play devil's advocate here, Donnie, yeah, I'm yeah. not saying Please one way do. or the other. Please do. My other thought with this is we know Doug Armstrong. Like, Doug's going to go for the best available out there. And yeah. we just don't know. Like, does Sheldon Keefe get hired, fired from Toronto? Does Rod Brindamore get fired from Carolina? My only other thought with it, too, is if you're Drew Bannister, the one thing that Doug Armstrong talked about was compete and accountability. And as much as I agree with you that, yes, they have found ways to ring it back in and put that compete out there, we have also seen the games where they just disappear. Mm-hmm. And if you're Doug, you got to be thinking, okay, does this coach get the best out of the team consistently? Mm-hmm. Because That's if you're going to be accountability, if you're going to be talking about compete, you can't have guys disappear for certain at certain times of the season. You yeah. got to find a way to keep them engaged from start to finish. But, and it was so um, it was actually making me laugh last night uh, because I felt his pain. But watching Patrick Waugh oh. behind the bench, <laughs> that dude almost popped a blood vessel, and he's been there for like ten games. He, he, like after the the hat trick goal, and they kept you know the the TV camera kept going back to Waugh. I was just like that dude is see. Seething oh, yeah. on the inside right now, oh, yeah. and and that to me is the kind of coach that you. I mean, you just don't want to deal with him when he's pissed off. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I just bet you that that is that 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 is not a, a, an easy man to play for. But also, too, I really loved hearing from Patrick Juan in the pregame last night on 101, mm-hmm. talking about Bull Duke yeah. and talking about all the conversations that they had about his two way game. And if you're going to succeed in the NHL, you got to be able to play back on the defensive side. And it seems like they watched a lot of film together, so it seems like there's a really cool relationship already existing between yeah, those two. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, not that I think, I know Patrick Waugh has had a massive impact on Zach Bolduc's career so far. Like, those final two years in the QMJHL for him with Patrick Waugh, part of the reason I think that he got to this point of, of being somebody that the Blues say, like, yeah, we're ready to see this. And a lot of this is the Blues. Like, the Blues were contacting Patrick Waugh, telling him, like, hey, let's work on this stuff. Like, they were in communication yeah. in junior hockey. But I also, I love the quote from Patrick Waugh saying, like, look, to be at the, this level, you got to be engaged defensively. Mm-hmm. You got to be physical. You And he said, you don't have to, to kill anybody. What we mean when we say physical is you got to go out there and win board battles. And I know it was tough to evaluate because 
because you didn't see him a lot. But last night, Donnie, a couple of moments stuck out to me. Bolduc coming in off of the rush. It would be Braden Shen who dumped the puck in in the second period. Bolduc was the first guy after the puck behind the net. And, like, that's a goal scorer. You're not expecting that. But Bolduc even said it to uh, to our Grant Francis in the locker room a couple of days ago. He said, I understand that goals are going to come, but those goals don't come unless I work for the puck. Mm -hmm. And that's the mentality I think you need right now. One thing that Blues fans love is a worker's mentality. Robert Thomas said it post-game last night. Hard work pays off. And he was talking about Jordan Cairo for how he played, which he was exceptional. But for Bolduke, it's going to have to be an emphasis on the other side of the ice, not just offense. I think he knows that. He sounds like a kid that is going to work very hard for that. And I loved also the quote from Patrick Watu that said, it's something you don't just flip the switch. Mm-hmm. You don't just learn. He's like, you either have that or you don't have that, the ability to be physical and win puck battles. I'm telling you this much, and I, I, I can't say this year, but if Lou Lamarillo can get the pieces correct there in New York, oh yeah, boy, you, I just feel like Wah is destined to win at some point or the other. It's just a matter of time. Well, look at what he did in Colorado before he went out of the league and went back to juniors. I yeah. mean, he had McKinnon at the start of McKinnon's career. He had Gabe Landeskog, but he didn't have Miko Rantanen or Kale McCarr, and I believe he won like 108 games when he was in Colorado. So you know he can win, yeah. and to me, the Islanders – the Islanders got their goaltender in Ilya Sorokin. They've got their defensemen. I think Noah Dobson and Adam Pellick are two of some of the best defensemen in the National Hockey League, and both are young. He's got good pieces. Matt Barzell, Anders Lee, Brock Nelson. He needs more goal scoring. Yeah. He needs more guys who can play like a Bolduc or a Snuggerud or a Jordan Cairo who can snipe the puck. I think if, if Patrick Waugh gets that, maybe one or two more goal scorers in his top six, I I would say the Islanders are going to be a dangerous team because, Patrick, you don't win two Memorial Cups in junior hockey and win over 100 games in the NHL as a head coach by chance. All right, so I want to ask about a couple particular players, and uh, and this is where I really honestly lean on you to kind of set me straight here. Uh-oh. Um, and it's and it's not I don't think being overly critical, uh, but there are times and nights where I feel as though that Kevin Hayes, and to a certain extent, a lesser extent, Brandon Saad, um, are guys that I, I don't know. I guess with Kevin Hayes, maybe I expected a little bit more coming from Philadelphia. I kind of want you to talk about those two guys, their role on this team. I know Saad is a UFA, so there's a chance that he might get moved before the deadline. You know, can you just kind of talk about those particular guys, what you see about them, what you like about them, maybe what you don't like about them? Yeah, well, well Brandon Saad, by the way, I think he's got two more years before oh, he he's does. a UFA. So he's still under control for like two more years. Oh, yeah, so I he's, don't know why I thought he was well, UFA. I think people brought his name up because he's a playoff performer and mm-hmm. teams want power forwards, playoff performers. He's got a no trade clause, so that plays into it. But yeah, okay. he's got a couple more okay. years. Sorry about that. No, you're fine. So... I tempered my expectations when Kevin Hayes got traded to St. Louis because the saying goes like somebody's got to score on bad teams and he was the top line centerman for the Philadelphia Flyers. So when you looked at his points last year, you're like, wow, this guy got 20 goals. He's got what close to 60 points. And you were thinking, whoa, you just got to steal. 
but you're also bringing him over to be a third-line centerman. And we all knew that was kind of how it was going to go with Kevin Hayes. I think there are elements of Kevin Hayes' game that are very positive for the Blues. I would say he's one of the best puck handlers on the team in terms of the ability to shield the puck and keep it away from guys as he enters the zone. He's mm-hmm. a big body, and just well, just watch him next time, Donnie. Like, when he enters the zone, guys have a tough time getting the puck off of his stick because he's big, he can kind of keep them behind him, and he can circle to get the play alive. So that's an element. His faceoffs have been outstanding this season, so that's another element that you were bad at last year. Kevin Hayes is also slow. I'm not telling anybody brand-new news that you've never heard, and – a team that is either trying to be more of a rush team or a team that is trying to get puck possession, you need speed on a line with Kevin Hayes. That's why at the beginning of the season, they tried Yakub Verana. They tried Sammy Blay because they knew they needed to get speed with Kevin Hayes. Uh-huh. Problem was, none of those guys worked out for him. Yeah. And you're not going to dip a Jordan Cairo down. And frankly, there's not a lot of guys with speed on this team. So that's why some of it I saw Zach Bolduc playing with Kevin Hayes last night. I wondered if they were trying to put him in a good position to where you got some speed with a Kevin Hayes who's got puck possession so you can work with it. I know people get frustrated with Kevin Hayes because they want to see more goals, but I'll go back to Tyler Bozak. Tyler Bozak came over here at $5 million and he never set the world on fire with offense. He was never a goal scorer. You brought him in to be a two-way centerman for you and a guy to play third line minutes for you and be that depth at center. Mm -hmm. Kevin Hayes has done that. I mean, like it or not, Kevin Hayes has been playing penalty kill time. He's been on the power play. He's been winning faceoffs for you. He's been the perfectly acceptable depth centerman that you need. And by the way, your penalty kill since Drew Bannister has taken over is, I think, 11th place in the National Hockey League since December 14th. And Kevin Hayes is playing a lot of penalty kill minutes. And also, too, with Kevin Hayes, you are paying half of that salary. Exactly. So you're paying, what, two and a half to three million for that third line center. Again, let's go back to it. Tyler Bozak costed you $5 million for five years. You're paying $3 million for Kevin Hayes. Okay. And you traded, what was it, a seventh round draft pick for him? Yeah, yeah. So... Again, I think people saw last year in Philadelphia and said, well, Kevin Hayes needs to be a top six centerman. No, Kevin Hayes was brought here to be the third centerman to provide center depth, and I think he's done a very adequate job with that. You want to see more goal scoring, but I think that's circumstantial with the wingers that he's playing with. All right, Brandon Todd's exactly what Brandon Todd has been from start to finish with the Blues. He's going to be a guy that scores you 20 to 25 goals. He's going to be a power forward. He's going to be a guy that has his ups, has its downs, Mm -hmm. but... On a nightly basis, you never know what can happen with Brandon Saad. And again, $4.5 million for Brandon Saad. You put Brand- if I tell you Brandon Saad gets traded to Colorado, it's not happening, hypothetical. What line is Brandon Saad playing on Colorado's team? Uh, he's probably going to play up on that first or second line, I would think. See, right? I think he's on the third line. Oh, you think he's I on I think the- he's on a third line. I think if you put him on a playoff team, Edmonton Oilers, he's playing on the third line for you. And probably producing, when he was in Colorado, he was a third-line winger for them. I get it. And he was a goal scorer. So he's got 16 goals now on the season, and I think a majority of them have come on the power play. And, again, at the end of every season, I look at it like baseball. You know, you look at the back of their baseball card, and you can expect what what they're going to do. You look at the back of the hockey card of Brandon Saad, you're thinking – 20 to 25 goals, he's going to get me power play goals. And by the way, also plays on the penalty kill, and I'm paying $4.5 million. I'd like to see more even strength offense, but I also have to remember these are depth forwards, not your star forwards. Absolutely so. Um, 
Jordan Bennington last night. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You Get still think here, he's the dude. 12th best goaltender, Donnie? It, 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 when I start to even think about those things, it gets you angry, doesn't it? It absolutely pisses me yeah. off. It, it, is just, it, is just, it is just so unbelievably ridiculous <laughs> that he is not viewed as in that top, that, that, that elite yeah. handful of goaltenders, and I know that we could get a bejesus ton for him, yeah. but forget that, no. dude. That, that guy has to be... I just want him to be the centerpiece when this comes back up again. Yeah. I mean, he he just has got to be here. So I looked at this last night. He he is now one of nine goaltenders in the NHL that have won 20 or more games. Okay. And I'm sorry to be throwing so many stats at everybody, but it just it got me excited last night. Yeah. So he's one of nine goaltenders to win 20 or more games. Of those nine goalies, he's top four in save percentage and goal saved above expected. So he's up there with Connor Hellebuck, Thatcher Demko, Sergei Bobrowski, then Jordan Bennington. Think about those names I just told you. Those are all goaltenders that everybody would tell you those are the best goalies in the National Hockey League. And by the way, he's done it in 37 games started, which is the second fewest of anybody in that conversation that I just mentioned. He's a top 10 goaltender. Yeah, yeah. He's a top 10 goaltender. And what I love about it is he ties Cujo last night for all-time wins for the Blues. And somebody messaged me during postgame, and they said, whoa, let's pump the brakes on the Cujo comparisons. And by the way, I never compared him to Cujo. He tied Cujo. Uh-huh. But then it kind of went me down a rabbit hole where I was like, well, wait a minute. Pump the brakes on the Cujo. He is doing what Cujo did in St. Louis. He has now surpassed him and or tied him in wins. He will surpass him in wins. And somebody also made a great point when I said this on postgame. They said, in 20 years, we are going to be talking about Blues goaltenders chasing Jordan Bennington like we've been talking about Jordan Bennington chasing Cujo, yeah. Jake Allen, and Mike Liu. Absolutely. But he's a top 10 goalie. I mean, Donnie, I go through the list of playoff teams. Colorado. You know what they're going to be searching for on March 8th? Goalie. Goalie. When I look at the Edmonton Oilers, you know what they probably should be searching for? Goalie. L.A. Kings. Guess what they're talking about right now? Goalie. Uh, When I look at contenders, teams that want to be a Stanley Cup contender, their biggest flaw is goaltending. And Joe said this on, on broadcast with me last night. He's talked to a couple of different scouts that have told him that the Blues have the best one-two punch in the National Hockey League in Joel Hofer and Jordan Bennington. And the teams that are chasing you for a playoff spot, Nashville, Seattle, Calgary, Minnesota. 
Nashville might trade Yusei Saros. Right. Calgary might trade Jacob Markstrom. Right. Minnesota might trade Marc-Andre Fleury. Yeah. That means you and Seattle are fighting for one of those final wild card spots because those teams are pretty much saying, yeah, we're probably going to sell. Yeah. You got the goaltending. Okay. So real quick here in talking about those teams, to me, from what I have understood, and you have told me that the goaltender in Milwaukee for Nashville is... Oh, dude, he's lights out. He is phenomenal. It's Yaroslav Oskarov, I believe. He's playing for the Milwaukee Admirals. They're on an 18-game win streak, Donnie. Oskarov has won 13 straight games. He's got a 9.63 save percentage and five shutouts. A 9.63? A 9.63. Okay, so if you're so Nashville, trade Soros. you're going to trade Soros. You have to trade Soros. Wh- where, do you, where do you think he goes, and how much do you think that they robbed the bank Dude, for? Dude, they're going to get a top six forward for you, say Soros, like today. And I think some of the rumors that I had heard was trade him to Carolina for Martin Natchez. Okay. Because Carolina needs goaltending. Frederick Anderson's hurt all the time and they're using a couple of younger players. And Marty Natchez, for those that don't know, he's a second line centerman for them who last year put up 80 points. And he's RFA this season and I think he's 26, 27 years old. If you trade Yusei Saros, Nashville is and this is the hard part because then I wondered, like, does Nashville even consider themselves sellers and tanking and not making the playoffs? Because they got a young goaltender who could come up and just rob it in the NHL. But you're going to trade him and get a player that impacts the NHL roster right now to expedite the retool. And that's just the bountiful fruitness that is the Nashville Predators goaltending. Like, yeah. think about it. It was Tomas Vokun, then it was Pekarine, yeah. then it was UC Saros, and now it's this Oskarov. Like, they've always had goaltending. But this is what you need. If you've got a plentiful area, then you can flip it for something that you're desperate in, which is more offense for Nashville and depth at, at center, and you're still good in that area. Like, it's a that, it's a, a massive move. And a massive win. Well, what about Markstrom in Calgary? So, Markstrom, I, I don't know where he goes. I think New Jersey's going to be sniffing around on that. L.A.'s going to have to because Cam Talbot has not been good for them since the All-Star break. Um, and then... I don't I don't buy into Edmonton. I just don't believe Edmonton's got the right goaltender in Stuart Skinner. Colorado's the other one. I think Colorado knows that Alex Georgiev isn't it. So Markstrom, I think, is going to be connected to one of those four teams. And then, of course, the former Blue Jake Allen's going to be the other guy that gets moved around that deadline. I don't know if Marc-Andre Fleury's going to accept a trade. Right. That's the part that I'm curious about. I think Minnesota would like to trade him, but... I don't think he wants to go anywhere. Right. I think he's probably happy with his last year playing in Minnesota. Because doesn't he have kiddos that are in mm-hmm. school and the whole bit? Yeah. So then for him to go for a couple of months somewhere else, it yeah. just doesn't make sense. And I don't know how much longer he's going to play. I mean, right. you've surpassed Patrick Waugh and wins. I think that's where he what he accomplished this year. You're not chasing Marty Brodeur because that's just going to be impossible. I, if you're Marc-Andre, like maybe you go somewhere to win a Stanley Cup, but if you're him... Do you really want to move your kids right. for a chance to win a Stanley Cup and maybe get bounced in one round and then have to do it all over again? And with all due respect, and and I'm I mean uh, the flower is the flower, yeah. But I mean he, this is yeah. not Mark Andre Fleury of a few right. years ago. Anywhere he goes, the team is going to use him as the starting goaltender. But the team also, like Minnesota, had to do in the playoffs against the Blues. They might have to go away from him at times. All right. So what about the teams that are chasing the Blues right now? Yeah, You know, how do you sort of handicap this race? How do you look at these teams? I know Nashville and L.A. played last night, but yeah. I friggin' fell asleep in, Na- the, in the second won. period. Nashville's playing some good hockey Son right now, man. Bitch. I know. They're playing, I think they've won 
three in a row or four in a row, if I'm not mistaken. But, I mean, they're the best part about it for the Blues is you've got two games in hand on them. Now, one game in hand if you look at it, but you also play them one more time. So mm-hmm. the one game in hand and the matchup against Nashville, that's four points, and you're tied with them in points right now. So they're going to be probably your toughest opponent. I, Calgary has started to play better, but, I mean, they've got Markstrom, Hannafin, Tanev. Now they could trade all of those guys and have like a an island of misfit toys that start playing well. Right. And like where the hell did this come from? Right. You know, but, they traded Elias Lindholm and they've been playing awesome since. Yeah. But chances are. Yeah, that's hard to believe. Minnesota, they're another wild card for me. They're too up and down, although all of these teams are too up and down. But, like, they've won, I think it's six in a row. But prior to that, they had lost, like, five in a row. Right. So I don't. they're not going to be trading for anything. I don't think they have the cap space or the um, the assets. The, yeah, the assets to make moves. So they might just stand pat and roll it. I mean, they're four points behind the Blues in the same amount of games played. So they're in that conversation. And then Seattle. I always feel like nobody talks about Seattle. Yeah. They're three points out of it. They played well, but... They played like two games above 500 in their last 10, and I don't think they've got the assets to go out there and make moves to trade for something. So to me, it's those teams that are fighting for it. I count Arizona out. Arizona's lost 11 in a row and five straight in in regulation. Like Arizona, remember when everyone was like, boy, Arizona's back. Absolutely. Maybe not so much. Not yet. Not not yet. But uh, so, yeah, I think it's St. Louis, Nashville. Minnesota, Seattle, Calgary. My guess is Calgary bows out of this by March 8th. Probably Seattle. Minnesota's going to float there. I really think the race is going to be St. Louis and Nashville. And if Nashville trades UC Soros and gets that young goaltender performing well and they get a great piece back, that's going to be tougher. That's going to be tough for St. Louis to go up against. But you also got the option to make a move on March 8th too and bolster your offense. Yeah, yeah. It's And this is like... These days leading up oh, to the trade like deadline, ooh, I know. I, I like I I I want action to start happening, but I know as the sports fan that I am that we've still got a ways oh, know. ways to go. Maybe there'll be a, tr- a little one here or there, yeah. But by and large, this is going to go right up until the eighth. There's right? always one that sprinkles in. That's like, oh baby, it's trade season. Like the Blues did that last year. They moved O'Reilly. And oh, Tarasenko, Tarasenko. that was Tarasenko. early. They yeah. did those very early. Barbashev was the only one that was moved at the deadline. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you'll get one sprinkled in. But Greg Wyshynski had a great piece up on the ESPN talking with NHL general managers, and they told him, like, this could go one of two ways. This deadline could be very boring for people because if you think about it, there's not a whole lot of names out there. Like, mm-hmm. Jake Gensel's hurt. I don't know what they're going to do with Booch. You've got the goaltenders, but goaltenders are a hard piece to move. And now we're talking just Calgary. Like, there's not a lot out there. But he also said it could also be pure chaos and fireworks. If Nashville moves, you say sorrows. If Calgary moves all three of their players. If the Blues decide to be aggressive and make some type of move. I I think it could go one of two ways. Like, sometimes the trade deadline's kind of that in-between where you're like, oh, yeah, that was fine. But you're going to get one of, boy, that was boring or Holy bleep, what a freaking trade deadline. I wonder if it's going to be boring because you have so many teams that are still within striking distance of the wild card spot. Yeah. I wonder if it could potentially, you know, like maybe be a little bit lamer. I agree with you, but do teams, and by the way, the draft this year, people are saying like, if you're not in the top 10, it's an okay draft. Mm-hmm. Top 10 is where it's at, and then it kind of falls off. So do teams look at it and say, man, we got to get into the top 10 if you know you're not a playoff team? Like, 
Pittsburgh, Kyle Dubas was very honest about the Pittsburgh Penguins and said, look, we need to turn around. Otherwise, we're not we're not we're going to be selling pieces off. And I mean, they're sitting seven points out of a playoff spot. So like they're in it. But do they move Eric Carlson? Do they trade Jake Gensel? Do they move like an Evgeny Malkin? Like what does Pittsburgh do? Because Dubas said they've got to get younger. What does the Buffalo Sabres do? Because they're not fighting for this right now. Do they have to make a massive move? Ottawa. I've heard multiple different names come out of Ottawa. Shane Pinto is one that's been brought up. I think it was up on Sportsnet in terms of a potential trade. And I don't know if people know much about Shane Pinto, but he's a 23-year-old centerman. He was the guy that got suspended for for gambling. gambling, right? But he returned uh, earlier this month. He's played 12 games, and he's almost a point-per-game player. And he's 23 years old as a centerman. So what do they do? And then you go to the Central, like we just talked about. Does Nashville move Soros? Does Calgary move? Does Minnesota decide to trade pieces? What about Anaheim and San Jose? There's teams that, if they're willing to, they can make some blockbuster moves. But the problem is the uh, the price tag's always so expensive at the deadline because... You try and get teams to be desperate, and teams aren't willing to be desperate. Absolutely. So uh, the Blues have to screw us up tomorrow, or the NHL has to screw us up tomorrow. Eleven o'clock our time screw in Detroit. You up, man, I'm home by like three o'clock. With no, post that game. and that, and you know what? I do think of that now I when I hear that. when I hear earlier games. That <laughs> yeah. is absolutely amazing. Uh, but they are in Detroit, yeah. and then where is it after so Detroit? Then it's Winnipeg and Edmonton, if I'm not mistaken, or oh. maybe it's Edmonton and Winnipeg. So and it's back to back too. So like that's this is a big. This is a big road trip for the Blues because while you're doing that, of course, Nashville and everybody's going to be in action, but you're going up against playoff contender. It is Winnipeg first on Tuesday and then Edmonton on Wednesday. Playoff contender, playoff contender, playoff contender. You come home for one game against Minnesota, bubble team. Then you go back on the road leading into the the trade deadline, playoff contender in Philly, bubble team in the Islanders, playoff contender in the New Jersey Devils. That's what your next seven games are prior to the trade deadline. Boy, and New Jersey is desperately trying to get that that thing right. Dude, after... Jack Hughes called his team out yesterday. Yeah, I saw that after the game last night. Yeah. So, oh boy, this is the best part of the season, too. Like, And then, with all of that going on, there's still this all this mystery going on with what's going on with Phoenix and the home for Arizona. I know. And will it be Salt Lake City or... or, or you? It, Are it, they expanding to 34 teams? It, with Atlanta and whomever knows how yeah. much. There is just so much going on in the world of the NHL right now. It's um, And it's just getting to be that unbelievably badass time of the year. Oh, tomorrow we've got Blues on at 11 and the Cardinals are on at 12. I forgot about that. Yeah, Cardinal spring training action. And I, I love spring training baseball because that's by the third inning. You're like, who the bleep is this guy? <laughs> there are so many people on the field with their numbers in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. <laughs> well, they're rotating them every half inning. We're like, starting now in these four positions. I'm like, wait a minute, the other guy just got in. Oh, you know what? I completely forgot, and I wanted to bring it up from the jump, and I don't know if you heard it. I, I bet you probably didn't hear it. On the goal that was disallowed last yeah, night. Yeah, I heard the official. <laughs> that was amazing. It, so the, this is funny because I saw people complaining about it. Like, uh, just call the penalty. Why can't we have fun things in the NHL? Like, why why does Wes McCauley get to do his antics when he does penalty calls, but like that one? Now, I will say there were a lot of freaking penalties called in that game last night that probably shouldn't have been called. And then when you do that, it's very evident that you're trying to make a show out of it. Are you trying to be the center of attention? 
But if you were just doing that because you were playing to the fans that were already booing you, awesome, man. That's what the NHL needs. It just made me laugh. Dude. Like, like you know, man, I it, I just thought that it was absolutely – and I've never heard that before. Right. Like, I've never, I've heard, never heard it, it like, like that way. Like, Macaulay always comes out and, like, pauses before he makes the call. Yes. Now, that one, I mean, you're kind of selling the farm before you actually make the call. But again, like, I think fans thought it was hilarious. People aren't going to like to hear this one. Right. Like, I thought it was funny. If you have not heard, that, if you if you missed it, you, you should very much go back and search wherever because it was just, you know, man, it was really funny. And, like, I, I, moments like that are why I love sports. Oh, yeah. And then also, too, it's a reminder, I think, at least for me anyway, we don't need to take this so seriously. Seriously, I, I mean, I, yeah. mean it's, I, I want to take it seriously. I want my guys to play well. I want them to take the game seriously. But it's a game, man. If that was the playoffs, I could understand be, people being up in arms. If it was a close game, I could yeah. see people being a little more pissy. Right. But it was four to nothing. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's the, it's the end of February. Like, guys are wanting to get out of this and get to the trade deadline. Once you get to March 9th, that's when everything starts to become real serious. But, like, can we be honest right now? From the all-star break until March 8th, the trade deadline, guys are thinking, like, can we just get to the playoffs? Like, please. Right, right. Because this is, like, these are the dog days of the season. You know, you just got off of a two-week vacation. You're back in action. Still, they have implications to the playoffs. But do they really? So, like, let's have some fun a little bit. And you just said it. The NHL is doing so many things right now that's putting them in the spotlight with a lot of news and excitement. Why not have some fun with it? Well, and you know that it must be the dog days when Mark Stone is put on the injured reserve and told that he will be out for Amen a few weeks, that, leading up until the friggin' playoffs. Yeah, well, it starts with a few weeks, and then it's oh well, he's going to be out for some time, so we need to move him to LTIR. And then I got that- I got pissed off about this yesterday, and yeah. maybe I shouldn't have gotten so angry about it, but like. It just sucks because you see it happen every year. Well, it's it's it is a, it's a legal way they're, to they're to dodge the the, to to dodge the cap yeah. is what it is. Basically, what Kelly McCrimmon is telling the NHL is, you don't like it, change the rules. Change the rules. Yeah, Colorado did it with and is doing it with Gabe Landeskog, although his is a serious. And that's the hard part, and where I probably got too frustrated yesterday on on our show. Maybe it is a serious injury with Mark Stone. Maybe he is only capable of playing like 30 games in a season. And wouldn't you rather have your player available for you for 30 games in the postseason rather than the regular season? But again, like, let's just say Vegas holds him out, makes the trade for Jake Gensel, and then brings Mark Stone back for the playoffs and they run the table and win it again. That gets a little irritating when yeah. the team does it and wins. Now, if you do it and you get bounced, cool, it didn't work out for you. But I, I saw somebody put this out there on Twitter. Chicago did it with Patrick Kane. Then a couple years later, Tampa did it with Nikita Kucherov. Uh-huh. And then they did it with Kucherov again. And then Colorado did it with Gabe Landeskog the first time. And then he got injured again. And now you've got Vegas doing it with Mark Stone in back-to-back years. Like, Teams are basically telling the NHL, if you don't like it, change it. If right. the Blues are in this position, I'd be pumped. I'd be like, hell yeah. Bro, no, absolutely. Fuck on the LTIR, go get somebody, and then bring them back. Yeah, absolutely so. But the Blues don't do that often. When a team does it consistently, it's like, man, come on. Boy, that's it, – it, I mean, again, it, it's it's playing within the rules, yeah. but it, it just absolutely drives and, me And nuts. if you think about it too, Donnie, they're giving up more assets to bring pieces in – 
to where you're not going to be able to keep them all. Right. Like, because they're adding more salary cap that they're not going to be able to keep next season because they're going to have Mark Stone back, and you're trading prospects and draft picks away. So uh, it, they're, they're doing it all so that they can win in this little window that they've got, and when that window's gone, they're going to be in for a world of hurt. But I guess if you want to uh, – Flags fly forever, right? So does it really matter what your team looks like in five years yeah, I guess. if you're finding ways to work within the rules and make your team a powerhouse? Yeah, if you got a couple Stanley Cups to talk about, all the care I'm about. probably not going to be all that crabby. We just yeah. get angry because we do it the right way here in St. Louis, you know? Yeah. We bring Michael Delzato in and say, now we're winning the Stanley Cup. Yeah, uh, yeah we should do it the other way. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're absolutely right, Johnny. <laughs> Thank you very much for uh, Mr. Alex Ferrari. I, listen, I I jumped right into this dang thing. Thank you very much for listening to the Last Minute Blues podcast, <laughs> guys. I uh, I don't know. I didn't sleep super well last night. I feel like I'm kind of. It's because you tried to stay up for that Nashville game. What are you doing, Donnie? Moving in stages. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. I got a lot of work to do today. My Good news mind is, is moving it's Friday. In. Thank freaking God. It's going to be beautiful this weekend, dude. Too, right? I know. I can't wait. All right. So uh, for my dude Alex Ferrario uh, and our buddies uh, Jamie Rivers, uh, Jeremy Rutherford, and Jeff Burton, thank you very much for listening to the Blues Podcast. My name is Donnie Fandango, and as always, let's go Blues. The Last Minute Blues Podcast. Hear more at 1057thepoint.com.